fellow adventurers. Welcome to a Nat One Life podcast series called Homebrew Heals. Here, my sister Amanda and I will talk about our different journeys we have taken or are still on to resolve our medical issues. From gut issues to skin issues, we have experienced a lot in our 30 years. We do not have any medical backgrounds, but feel we have rolled high enough in our investigation and health checks and want to share our experiences with you. So come along this journey with us and see what we discover together. Journey with us and start to guide your way through this net one night. So you used to travel a lot when you were working for the prior company we mm. shall not name mm-hmm. um but it was always within the u.s and whatnot but have you ever like gone sick from your travels um i've never gotten like a foodborne illness or any type of bacteria or anything like that um but i had gotten sick um well, I shouldn't say any type of bacteria. I, I'm sure I picked up stuff on the planes and everything because I would get sick quite frequently. But in terms of poop, not really. You know, it's more my diet that was a problem. But I know our mom got really sick when she went to Mexico. Yeah. Um, probably like 20 years ago now. Um, and then, of course, we just heard last week Ashley um, and her experience with E. coli. I know people get food poisoning, but I've never, I don't think, had food poisoning, at least that I can recall. Um, And I've never had it so bad that I've had to go to, like, the hospital or the doctor. What about you? I feel like I have experienced food poisoning maybe once. Mm -hmm. But when I travel, I I surprisingly, like, have very good luck. And I, I don't get sick while... I'm traveling abroad um, and I've tasted some like interesting foods mm-hmm. <laughs> before yeah. and whatnot. So, well, we've both been to Europe, you know, yep. we've both been outside of the United States. Um, we've been Canada is really north and south. south. Have you been south? I have not with mom and dad. I w- went on um, cruises. And oh, so, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I've been south. Um, to Mexico, I've been to Canada, and then, of course, we both have been to different parts of Europe. Um, yes, we mm-hmm. are those spoiled people, yeah. and we love it. And um, it's just, I, I never really got sick, but I, I did try a lot of weird food. I think I ate horse when I was in France. I definitely ate escargot, you know, mm-hmm. but I've never gotten physically ill from it. Um yeah. And so it really is, it's one of those things that's scary to me because we trust people with our food, especially when we go out and eat um, and all of that, that, that it be done appropriately. So we don't get things like E. coli or a parasite in Mexico because it's, we drank the water or whatever. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. So when Ashley was talking about E. coli and how, and I was with her at work when she was experiencing that. And I remember, like, it's insane. It can develop life-threatening, like, kidney issues, um, dehydration because you're you're shitting and vomiting and, like, all of that stuff um, consistently. So before the 
let's say when Ashley mentioned E. coli, Mm -hmm. what was the first thing that you thought of? The first thing I thought of was she ate a bad hamburger. See, and yeah, same, essentially, but I was more surprised that it didn't happen abroad. Mm -hmm. I see. Like, you would think our food industry would be safer or something. Oh, the trust we have in our government. I know, exactly. And it's not necessarily, like, everywhere, like, the United States has the best. Not that. It's just she's local to us. And Mm -hmm. so I know our food joints locally. Right. You're like, we're a clean area. Exactly. And it's sad that, like, we automatically go there because, really... It doesn't necessarily, well, I shouldn't say that. E. coli specifically can be killed if it's cooked above a certain temperature. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> most of the E. coli outbreaks that we see come through aren't in beef. They're in vegetables. So yeah. maybe we should educate our listeners on what exactly E. coli is and where it comes from and um, why it's dangerous. Well, and then not only that, but how to stay healthy and do the healthy process when it comes to mm-hmm. food. Yeah, exactly. Um, so E. coli actually stands for Escherichia coli, which is the name of the bacteria. We did have to look up how to say that, guys. Just, yeah, we did. Yeah, we practiced. <laughs> um, and it actually normally it lives in us. Right. Healthy people and animals. We have E. coli inside our bodies. Yep, and already. most of those are harmless. Right. But mm-hmm. there's just some that cause us to shit our brains out and want to die. Yeah. I have found that there's like over a thousand different strains of E. coli. And so mm-hmm. that's why we uh, to us, we don't think that E. coli is in our guts already or that when we hear E. coli, my mind at least is automatically, oh, bad, bad, somebody got sick, somebody got sick, when in fact it's like, well, maybe they didn't. Maybe it's just, you know, it was there before. (laughs) Right. Um, And I think, obviously, the ones that are naturally occurring within us, they don't harm us, right? They're there to help break down food. It's a bacteria. So it's Mm -hmm. doing its job. Technically, um, when it gives you diarrhea and everything, that E. coli strain is just really efficient <laughs> at doing <laughs> its job. Um, but what I think people really should know as well about E. coli is, yes, the most common place it comes from is your contaminated food. <clears throat> but ground beef, like we were talking about, is not, in my mind, the one that you have to be the most worried about. It's the yeah. produce. <clears throat> Yeah, so same. I remember having a conversation, I think it was with you um, or somebody in our family, and they were cutting up a cantaloupe or a watermelon, some kind of melon. That was definitely and, not me. Okay, somebody <laughs> in our family. And I was like, are you going to wash the outside of your melon? And they're like, no, we don't eat the outside of our melon. Right. Well, what people don't realize is when you cut, <laughs> if you think about it, if you think the process through, it makes sense logically, but people don't spend time thinking about right. it. When you cut a melon, the blade is going from the outside of the fruit to the inside. So all of the bacteria that's on the outside of the melon just goes came in. into the inside. 
So people get really confused when they're like, oh, cantaloupes have E. coli. And they're like, what? Like, how did it get like in there? It didn't. It's on the outside because they use shit fertilizer, like literally poop, Mm -hmm. to spray on the garden beds. Or there's runoff from cattle farms, Mm -hmm. you know, that come down where the produce is grown. And it makes the vegetables amazing and grows like huge and leafy and all of this deliciousness. But if you don't wash it, all of that bacteria is sitting on the surface of your food. So like spinaches and lettuces are a common one that get E. coli. Yeah. And those get pulled from the shelf because you can't just wash like it's hard to wash it off thoroughly enough to get it all gone. But well, then also you think about like even more so like a cantaloupe or watermelon. Like the reason why I automatically was like, no, that's not me is because I hate cutting melons (laughs) and they are awkward. They take strength and your hands go all over them. And then as soon as you cut, the pieces up you're touching the pieces to put them on the plate or in the bowl and so it makes sense how the outside of it gets to the inside or like you're starting to eat it mm-hmm. but now I when I think about washing produce I didn't even consider like E. coli as a as an issue my thought process of the reason why we always washed our fruits and vegetables was not only because they're coming from the earth mm-hmm. we have to wash the dirt off and whatnot but because so many people touch them at the grocery store mm-hmm. and then also um there is this whole thing which i still don't even know if it's true if it was a conspiracy theory i think you might have the answer for me though is that to keep the fruit fresher that they would cover it in like almost like a wax or oil substance. Mm, I just, I don't know. I always thought like, oh, pesticides. Like you don't want to put fresh hot pesticides in your mouth, right? Right. So you wash it off. Then I went to culinary school and learned about, again, it's just if we take the time to slow down and think through how our food gets to us, it all makes sense, right? So then, then you get exposed to the, oh, well, how do you think they're fertilizing the plants? Oh, well, duh, with shit. Yeah. Okay. Because they have it in abundance. Melons sit on the ground. Yeah. And then you go to cut that. Like, so it's just, it is honestly just logical thought. But in America, especially, and I think in a lot of the world that's been developed, we have stopped thinking about where our food comes from. Mm -hmm. All we think about is, what the fuck? Now I'm sick. That's not acceptable. Well, did you even fucking wash your apples? Because. People, these apples are not sitting in, like, a UV lit, or, you know, where they take a UV light and they kill all the bacteria and then they hand sanitize every single apple and place it in a individualized compartment that's completely sterile. It is not a sterile environment. I've seen videos and some of the research that I've had to do for the podcast. They're farms that go to warehouses, essentially, right? And the warehouses have bugs. Yeah, and Ooh, if I you didn't watch the that. videos, there are bugs, cockroaches, bugs, um, millipedes, centipedes, like all of these things. These videos just swarming over the fruit that's about to get sent to uh, the grocery stores for us to consume. And now, 
Mm -hmm. Before people start, like, freaking out about that, we also have to keep in mind that, like I said before, our food, fruits and vegetables come from the earth. And so bugs are part of the earth. The bugs were already there. So it's, it's all natural still. Yes. And when you go to a farmer's market and stuff like that, you actually want to see bugs on your fruit. Because if you don't, it means they're using such harsh pesticides that you probably don't want to consume that. So it is actually a good thing to see bugs on your fruit. However, it's a disturbing thing to see thousands of bugs swarming all over. Swarming. Yeah. And again, so it just goes back to the need to wash your produce. It makes sense that there would be bugs attracted to sweet decaying fruit because as soon as you pull it off the tree, it starts to decay. Yeah. And so apples have a very high water content. And they start to produce their own wax, which coats the fruit to reduce moisture loss, okay? But that wax gets kind of removed away when they do a natural washing process from the farms. So we're going mm-hmm. back to the apple wax, and then I'll mm-hmm. get back. So they actually add, uh, it's called carnuba wax, to add shine. And consuming that wax is not good for your body. It's almost like shellac. Oh, dang. Or petroleum jelly. Vaseline. See, I didn't think it was that potent, but okay. Yep. And so it's a, it's a synthetic wax. And the majority of the top apple producers in the country use it because it makes them more attractive to the eye yeah. when you're in the grocery store. But apples do produce it themselves. It's just that we have... Such a, you know, a process where these apples, they need to be washed and blah, blah, blah. So we're we're removing this natural wax on the outside. And so the farmers add it back in. But it can um, impact the quality of the apples. It can impact the taste of the apples. Because if you think about an apple, it has like a skin, almost like we have yep. a skin. And our skins are permeable. So oxygen is supposed to move back and forth so when they wax the apples oh they're closing the oxygen out yep and they're almost like preserving the appearance of the outside but the inside's still rotting and so if you've ever gotten an apple home that looks perfectly good and then it's fucking squishy like in a day it's because it actually was rotting and that wax is giving it a chance to preserve its appearance that's um, a false advertisement right there. <laughs> right. So always wash your apples in hot water. I use a, a vegetable um, spray slash rinse. Um, apple cider vinegar, any type of vinegar and lemon juice mix would work beautifully for your fruit. Um, and it doesn't really impact the flavor very much. Um, yeah. So be so, aware of what you put in your body. Well, and so going back to... The original discussion of why we're even washing. So not only apples, because clearly they're not putting wax on every piece of fruit or vegetable that we're purchasing. I think they do it to pears. You know, like think about the things that you would grab and kind of like bite into. They want them to be visually appealing. And that's what I was thinking about as well, is that fruits are uh, vegetables that have like a taut skin or Mm -hmm. like a nice smooth, glossy exterior mm-hmm. but not only the wax uh we have the 
chance of E. coli, this bacteria. And more specifically, there's two strains Mm -hmm. of E. coli that humans need to avoid. And I have to say, I am actually very surprised about this because I was not aware. Um, But did you see that there's still no cure for E. coli poisoning? Yeah. It's a bacteria that we don't know how to kill. Yeah. Because if we did, you would think that we would just kill it you know but i thought when people were like uh i'm sick i have like e coli like they find traces of this bad strain of e coli that they would give you medicine for it and it goes away that's Um, what i thought happened right okay and this is yes i mean and this is what blows my mind because i had to do that research too because ashley was talking to us about it and she's like you know and i have you know ongoing issues and that's why we wanted to do this research episode because I'm like, oh, maybe it just did permanent damage. Mm-hmm. No, I'm pretty sure from my I, my understanding of the reading that I did is that it's like within you forever. Like you get it to a point where your body kind of fights it, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. For my understanding is that if you get one of the two strains there, the doctors are like, all right, good luck. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, your body will the fluids. <laughs> yeah, your body will try and figure it out, or we're gonna have a more serious issue. But they 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 don't know. Like this guy back in 2012 is the article that I was reading, mm-hmm. where a um, scientist was doing studies on E. coli and he feels as if he has made progress where mm-hmm. he is finding a, like some habits that these strains are now showing that they can see under like a microscope, a very advanced microscope. Mm-hmm. And so back in 2012, they were just starting to figure out how it was what it looked like in our intestines and how it was acting and why. Yeah. So, but even with that information, they still don't know, like it still like remains within you. Sometimes they will detach and exit out of your body, but Mm -hmm. it's not like a guarantee. Yeah. Well, and it just, yeah, when I was reading it, it just makes it sound like your body kind of fights it off and then that's it. Um, but what's crazy is the lack of knowledge about what's happening, what's triggering this bacteria, and the fact that we don't have an antibiotic for a bacteria that we've discovered. Yeah, for those listening, if you're shouting out to us right now, what about antibiotics? They, doctors actually try not to give out antibiotics mm-hmm. for these strains for E. coli because it makes matters worse. Yeah, it's killing off probably the good bacteria that's helping to fight the E. coli. Um, And it says it can actually increase your risk of serious complications. um, And it does nothing to help treat the infection. The actual issue. Yeah. Yeah. The the literal treatment, guys, is rest and fluids to make sure you don't die from dehydration and fatigue. It's just crazy to me. Um, The only other thing that I found surprising was and probably because it doesn't impact um, the majority of the people in the United States is the contaminated water. 
Yeah. Um, because, but if you think about how we used to live and throw our shit and piss in the streets and everything runs yeah. downhill. And then we were like, oh, I'm going to go downhill and go to the river and get some water. There are right, some nasty times in the past. <laughs> but it would make sense why a lot of people had issues, like stomach problems and things like that, like consuming this bacteria or, you know, lower life expectancy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Very interesting, I say. So um, what can we do? To make sure to not contract the E. coli bacteria on a regular basis um, with our food. The Mm -hmm. biggest thing is, obviously, with beef, make sure it's cooked to the appropriate temperature. And that, for pretty much when I was reading anything that is supposed to be cooked, Mm -hmm. make sure you are cooking it thoroughly. (sighs) And unfortunately, that does include cookie dough. And then, so making sure you cook your meat. One of the biggest things that people should know about the beef industry is that when you get ground beef, most of the time, it's not from one cow. It's from multiple cows or even multiple farms that get all ground up together. And so then that's why ground beef has such an increased likelihood of having E. coli um, transmitted versus just like a steak. Because a steak is obviously from one cow. One cow, cow. yeah. Ground beef, it's all the extra meat parts and it's all ground up. So um, so that's why ground beef is always kind of the culprit. Fresh produce, I think we've talked about a lot. Uh, but the other one was unpasteurized milk. <laughs> and this one made me laugh, but also ew at the same time. <laughs> I know, but go ahead. <laughs> anyway, so there's bacteria, right, on your their teats. And so... Well, and- they're animals. They're ro- hopefully. I mean, I know. Yeah, they don't have higher like brain thought process like we do. Right. Like, they're maybe not. Maybe I should cleanse clean. myself <laughs> yeah. before. Um, but then the milking equipments um are like these big things that like suction up to their teats and get all four of the teats or whatever on their udder. Yeah. Um, and the equipment can also have that bacteria growing in it, and so that's what's causing. If you don't have your milk pasteurized then you um, could potentially get E. coli through the milk. Because if you think about the proximity of a cow's asshole to the udders, poop, you know, poop juice. It's close. Um, And so unpasteurized milk. So pasteurization actually is a process that heats the milk and cream and everything up to a certain point. And it's a hot enough point to kill the bacteria. And then we cool it down. And so um, there's a lot of people out there that are like, and I'm one of those. I go back and forth. There's probably definitely some benefits to the milk that we're killing when we do that. Oh, okay. Um, That's why a lot of people like to eat. Same like with raw honey. Yeah. Versus pasteurized honey. Because you're getting the actual bacteria, pollen and all of these natural things in the raw once you cook it you've been it's too hot like that stuff can't survive and so but neither can the bad stuff if that makes sense so it's just like you know with milk being such a prevalent thing that we eat in our society or drink and consume in our society it makes sense that they would want to they probably had issues where it wasn't good and then pasteurization see but okay i can understand going back and forth but to play devil's advocate for those that are 
against pasteurization. Like, I understand that potentially you're missing out on some of those good things, but I have a feeling that you can get those good things from other sources. Yeah, I would like to just remind people that we're only we're one of the only um, species on the planet, maybe the only species on the planet that drinks the milk of another animal. Yeah. So it's already kind of weird. But I feel like the only other time I may have heard and this could be completely false. I will tell you listeners that now because I do not have the research pulled up in front of me. But I feel like I have seen situations like in zoos where they try to like share milk like for Mm -hmm. to keep uh, them alive and stuff. Exactly. For animals that were just born and for whatever reason the parent can't support or sustain them. Mm-hmm. Like they died or whatever. Yeah. Or they mm-hmm. rejected them. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. I don't think that's ever happened naturally. I imagine it does when we right. force it. But exactly. naturally, I don't know. And of course, as humans, we have a higher functioning. We have higher brain power. So we're like thinking through, oh, but look, there's all these benefits. I can get these calories and this fat and, you know, the sugar and all of that and feed my family. Yeah. With the milk of this cow. But if you really think about it, we wouldn't go up to, like, a sheep and be like, oh, I'm breastfeeding this sheep to keep it alive. Like, I don't know. So it's just it's just weird to think about. And so not a lot of animal or I'm sorry, no other animal species on the planet does that. We do it. We're like, oh, I'm going to drink that fucking cow's milk. I'm going to drink that goat's milk. I'm going to drink all the milks from all the teats in all the lands. Um, But. And now the nuts. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but it makes me wonder: Are there things in there that we shouldn't be? You know what I mean? I just yeah. my brain it just goes down that path. Um, but yes, don't don't drink unpasteurized milk. Um, unless maybe you know where it's coming from. The other thing I wanted to mention about that is milk is the same as the ground beef process that we just talked about. Most national like brand name or um, store brand milk all comes from like a basically a big vat of milk where all of these different cows get poured into when you're drinking milk you're not like they didn't hold up the gallon jug and hold it underneath the teat of one cow and say okay fill up this gallon like that's not how that works right you think about the milk trucks or the milk semis that are transporting the good it's just a huge tank Right. That's not one cow that's been collected over a year. No, people. that's a whole bunch of cows. (laughs) And so it's all getting mixed around. And so if you really go back to like the breast milk thought process, like, can you imagine just like a whole bunch of women pumping their breast milk and then mixing it all together in a huge fat? Like, think about all the bacteria from each woman. (laughs) What? I have a really weird image in my mind right now, but keep going. See, mine was like the Mad Max image, like mother yes. milk. There's just like these ladies with, in my mind though, they had a whole bunch of uh, electric milk um, pumps on. Yes. Mm. I was just imagining mm. like instead mm. of cows there in yeah. their pins, we now have women just hooked up. Now, were they on all fours in your mind or were they standing up? They were sitting down. Oh, mine were sitting down too. There we go. <laughs> they, were reading books. they had like their legs crossed. In my mind, it looked very like 
1950s. I'm going to get my hair done. I got my curlers. I'm sitting under the dryer, except for instead of the curlers, they have breast pumps hooked up to their boobs. Mine was a little bit more depressing. Mine was like, they're not happy to be there. They didn't want to be there. They're there to make a few pennies. Gotcha. Oh, I see. Yeah, mine's all like, oh, yeah, did you see that guy last night? He was over at the bar. Yeah, they're having like, (laughs) they're obviously from New Jersey as well. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know what's happening. They have accents. Yeah, they have accents. They have pink lady jackets on too. But just the jackets because their boobs are out. Um, <laughs> man, are we tired? So yeah, so E. coli, yo, it's it's shitty, and you can also get it just from person to person. If you yep. have somebody with poop fingers, which probably happens more than you care to admit that you're yep. meeting people with poop fingers, and they, you know, you shake hands with them, you touch your face, you do whatever you can get E. coli that way. Um, make sure you wash your hands. Wear a mask, all that thing, all that jazz. All the safety stuff. Yeah. Um, But the other, the only other thing were the risk factors. And there's one in here that was really intriguing to me, but it makes total sense. So I'm curious what your thoughts were on the risk factors or complications. So uh, complications with E. coli, that was a little scary Mm. because... I found that it can get into your bloodstream. Yeah. And I didn't realize it, it went beyond diarrhea. Yeah, it could shut down your kidneys. It can, yep. It can kill. I mean, you can die from it. Yeah, full-blown kidney failure. You'll have poop in your stool. Your your body just starts breaking down because there's the bacteria that it can't. It's having a hard time fighting off. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, exactly. So it just kills you slowly. And and you have diarrhea. Diarrhea forever. That's what I thought about when I was reading all of this is that up uh, that scene from Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. What's dysentery? It's when you have diarrhea forever. Diarrhea forever. <laughs> you don't want me to die. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. But yeah, no diagnosis, no treatment. So I think the the biggest takeaway here is it, it sounds like it can definitely do some major permanent damage. Right. Mm-hmm. And you want to try to prevent yourself from contracting, or I'm sorry, contracting, from, yeah, contracting E. coli bacteria, one of these specific strains, not that you can test it, but just in general, by doing a couple of things. So what are the things that we can do? Uh, like you were saying before, wash our hands. Mm-hmm. Cook our meat. Mm-hmm. I well not just the meat. You gotta cook all your food that needs to be cooked, including cookie dough. Damn and wash your food. Mm-hmm. Wash it. Wash, wash it. it. Real wash good. It real good. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll post some stuff on our blog about um how to cook your meat, you know, different things and facts about E. coli. So you guys can get educated on it. Um, and we'll add some other things about different foodborne illnesses in there as well. Um, as we mentioned at the beginning, our mom actually contracted a parasite when mm-hmm. she was in Mexico. Because um, she had a salad. Yeah, I know. That story is so hilarious. She made sh- hilarious in the worst possible way. But she made sure to drink only bottled water, made sure 
every time she got a bottle of water, it was sealed, like all of these things while she was in Mexico. And what did she do? She ate fucking <laughs> salads. And what did they do with salads? They, they washed them. them in the water that's mm-hmm. there. So it's just that thought, you know, thinking through the choices that you're making um, when you're trying to have a good time is hard to do sometimes. But she yeah. she got a parasite. And I mean, it was probably a good year of testing and medicines and her having diarrhea and all of this stuff before they actually figured out what was going on and were able to get her a medication in which to um, assist her. She had to like collect her poop in Tupperware jars and all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah. For them to test it and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And doesn't she say like to this day, she won't eat something or she won't go back down or something because the sickness was so bad that she yeah. will she's like I will not survive another bout of that again. Yeah, it is um it was cyclospora. It's probably the one that she had, but it is a um it's a protozoan parasite that that infects humans and monkeys and stuff like that, but it causes diarrhea, abdominal crack, cramping, nausea, gas, you know, fever, weight loss, all of those things. Um, and it's usually from food or water that's been contaminated contaminated by human poop. And so when you really think about that, it's really gross. Yeah. Yeah. But that water, the whole water situation, you know, if they're not disposing of the waste properly, it gets into your water. And that's what happens. Yeah. So. Cool. Equally, oh. Ash or Ikea, Ash or Ikea. In closing, make sure you cook your food, you wash your produce, and for the love of God, wash your hands, please, Please. especially after you go to the bathroom. And I don't want to hear any of this. I only peed. I don't give a shit. You wash your hands every single time. I can't stand it when men especially. Well, I only peed. Did you touch your dick? (laughs) Did you touch the pants around your dick? Did you touch the underwear that houses your dick? Wash your hands. Thank you, adventurers, for joining us today. We hope this helped you find tips and tricks to loot the booty. Find us on natonelife.com and check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to follow us more on our day-to-day. May your poop be regular and bubbles minimal. Stay Stay sassy sassy and gassy. gassy. Till next next time. time. Nice. Child of love, a nat one life, a nat one life. You work all day and make no pay, and debt is mounting every day. A nat one life, a nat one life. When the world seems to be slowly crushing your dreams, anxiety, depression, doubt. This nat one life is shitting on you. through this net